Birds howl at the moon, howl at the moon. Don't you want to? Why stop at the moon? Let's throw in sun and stars and planets and the clear blue too. Maybe wild dogs could keep us from the path we picked to go at all along. So what if we can't beat them? Who said we needed roads to go back home? Let's start moving soon. Start moving soon. Don't you want to? Soon. We'll check the streams and breathe the wind to find our food Tamer dogs have kept us from doing what it is we want to do There's not a law that can keep us cooped up from being wild and free the rough and tumble with howl to the moon from their new album howling back at the wounded dog and that's the follow-up to their very well received 2018 full-length album we made ourselves a home when we didn't know now the rough and tumble are multi-instrumentalists mallory graham and scott tyler and if you're a regular listener to this show you'll know that we're big fans of this folky rootsy americana duo who gave up their permanent home in 2015 for a life on the road with their dogs, travelling from gig to gig in their small RV. And Mallory and Scott are our special guests on Folk Roots Radio today. It's great to have you guys join us again. 
It's great to be here. So good to be here. Nice to see you this time. (laughs) I know. And actually, not that far away because we're based in Leamington, Ontario. And currently, you're in Grand Rapids, Michigan, right? We are are. in Grand Rapids. So you've been traveling the byways in your little RV since 2015. So that's like four years of not having a home base except when you really desperately need one. And I exactly. think that's what parents are for, I gather. But. <laughs> <laughs> At least Scott's parents. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, you... That's another album, though. <laughs> so, yeah, so you're obviously still having a lot of fun, right? Yeah, we we're, are. We're loving it. Yeah, our, uh, you know, knock on wood, our camper is holding together. Um, and it, Knock uh, on wood and duct tape. Yeah, and, and duct tape. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, we're we're having a great time. This has been a really great year for us. In fact, we uh, we've gotten to to travel so much. We started a lot earlier this year, and mm-hmm. um, you know, we're down in Florida in January, and in a couple of weeks we'll be out in South Dakota um, yeah. and a ton of places in between. So. Yeah, and truthfully, it's this is probably um, I don't want to say it's been an easier year as far as as breakdowns and that sort of thing. In fact, I think we've had more like truck issues, like more auto issues than ever before. But somehow I think just having done this now for so long, it, it feels like it's getting easier, even if it's not, you know, we've had the same truck and camper since we started. And of course they're having those, you know, 50,000 a year, mile a year problems. But I think it's just that we maybe were callous to it or maybe... (laughs) We've accepted it, you know. <laughs> Maybe we're in shock. I don't yeah. know. But, but it, it doesn't seem to present the same difficulty as it as it did before. Yeah. Maybe we're picking new problems. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously, the fact that it's a 15-foot camper, you know, and the, the fact you're a couple, you obviously are pretty comfortable most of the time being together, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, that is true. We we hear these stories about, uh, I was talking to our sound man the other night and he was like, yeah, I, I used to tour in like a 20 foot RV with like six other guys. And, and I just said, that sounds terrible. <laughs> you know, it's, it is, it is close quarters, but you know, we're, you know, we're partners and you know, it's, we like to be close. So, and I guess as long as you don't expand the band, you're probably okay. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Or we need to find, you know, a bass player in every town. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you've had a you've had a great year. I think that you played. Um, you had a great time at Surfer uh, last year too, didn't you? Yes, we did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Surfer was so much fun. We. Uh, yeah, we're we're starting to kind of get plugged into some of those, uh, you know, Folk Alliance things and, and different festivals and, and conferences and. It's, it's a lot of fun to, especially to meet other folk musicians, you know, when you're a traveling band, it kind of can be sort of lonely. You know, you don't always run into other people doing what you're doing. And so going to these conferences is, is sort of just this way of finding your pack. Yeah. Finding your pack and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, making friends. But my impression is there's more and more people starting to, to think outside the box as far as their music is concerned. I mean, that, as far as people that travel are concerned, you're of the people that I've come across. I think that you're, you know, two people who really, really embraced it probably more than others. 
Mm -hmm. But there are more and more people, you know, when they're trying to make a living in this, you know, ever-changing music business are realizing, look, you know, what can I do to make it easier for me to, you know, to keep my costs down, but also be where I need to be to, you know, to play shows. Because the reality is you're going to do much better playing shows than sitting at home waiting for your CD royalties to come in. Exactly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> All those CD royalties. <laughs> no, it definitely. And and like people have been even commenting on um like on the bigger acts how how high concert ticket prices are now because that really is the only way that anyone's making a living. It seems from from bottom to top like the only way that anybody makes a living at this is by playing live shows and people coming to see you live, which is a little scary considering you have Netflix to to compete with and you know people's couches and the convenience of home now is means a lot more now than it did even five years ago yeah. i feel like but um i don't know though i i still believe that there's going to be this this i mean there is we're seeing the resurgence of people being like oh wait a second i want to look away from my phone for a little while and i want to go and have an experience with live music still that that the internet seeing watching every live video of my favorite artist still isn't going to compete with yes. and and that's pretty, that's pretty cool. It's reassuring. It's job security. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually believe that eventually things will start to swing back a bit. You've mentioned the fact that people are, are realizing that they need more authentic experiences in their life. And, yes. you know, what better authentic experience can you get than going to a concert, especially something like a house concert and being right in there with whoever's playing? That mm -hmm. is a, a an incredibly wonderful connection i mean it really is a great connection with the the performer that you can achieve and you know i mean we could also look at the you know going to a huge stadium show yeah it can be wonderful but you're going to play a huge yeah. amount of money still you know and maybe not get a, a a great place to be for that too i did want to ask you about you mentioned finding your tribe and you know that's the interesting thing when you go to these folk conferences and you meet up with people you you quickly work out the sort of people that you know, tend to be, you know, traveling maybe a similar path as yourself, <laughs> tend to gravitate to those people. But I also wonder about the, the downside of the way that you're living and making music. Do you see many downsides to, you know, comparing yourself to other people who, you know, maybe go down a different road, you know, with respect yeah. to making music? What is it? Compare and despair. It's yeah. definitely a, um, well, that's even a, that was a, a, a huge hang up with us from the beginning, not of people who have chosen a different path, but even people who have chosen the same path as us and, and, and said, no, I'm giving it up and I'm going to hit the road. Cause there are people out there who are doing what we're doing sometimes with more dogs than us, amazingly. Yeah. <laughs> and, and there is that feeling of, oh, they've already had their fill of, a little folk band, like a quirky little folk band with, you know, so many dogs or yeah. whatever. Um, and I think in those situations and in comparing yourself to um, the people who have, who go out to tour twice a year and have a home and a, and a garden and, you know, all those things that we feel very envious of, <laughs> um, I think you have to allow the idea that there's room for everybody, even if it doesn't feel like it, even if it feels like there's other people are getting the success that you feel like you've worked longer for or harder for whatever it is that you think that you've, you've earned. I think there's just room and you have to make that room. We've had to make that room in our own heads too and say, no, 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 there's, 
there's space for those people too. And we're not doing the same thing. And if we are doing the same thing, there's a, you know, there's another little town that they're not willing to go to that we will. (laughs) (laughs) And, and I mean, that's certainly a conversation that, you know, we're, we're having in, in the United States right now is, you know, is how much room is there for, you know, for, for people. And, and I think it's been, it's been helpful to, at least to, to our brains, I think to, to, to listen to, to that conversation and, and just acknowledge that, that there is, there is space for, for everybody. Nobody is doing it exactly the same way, you know, and that we actually want there to be more people, you know, traveling and playing shows for people and, and having these great experiences in, in houses and in, you know, in little coffee shops and, and all that, like, and revitalizing those venues that are closing down because they're, you know, because people aren't going to live music anymore. Like exactly. if there's more people on board, it can only get better. Yeah. Hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> so let's start talking about the album. We started off with the wonderful song Howl to the Moon. Now the album is entitled Howling Back at the Wounded Dog. Yeah. Now I know that last year was a challenging year for you. You lost one of your road dogs, Butter. Tell us a little bit about this song. And obviously I get the impression that this really kind of formed a little bit of an overarching theme for the album. It, it was a hard year for sure. You know, Butter had been with, with Mallory for, for seven years and she was my heart for sure. The last time that we spoke to you, I believe we were broken down in a parking lot in Albuquerque, uh, New Mexico. And we had that interview and we were actually we had just finished writing another song on the album called Little White Paper that is especially for Butter. And we're kind of coping with the loss of our friend. And and we were feeling the space, definitely feeling the space mm-hmm. of of her absence. And and it was, I think, around that same time that we literally started howling, like as a family. We would be in the truck and anytime that feeling of that space became too much, we would just kind of kick back and, and howl. And there was, it was primal. It was necessary. And if I started doing it, then Scott would start doing it. And Puddle kind of just shook her head at us. (laughs) But, um, but it it became this, uh, this huge relief for us as a family to 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 release that stress and then that space started to close close in a little bit more and it didn't feel it didn't feel as wide and so as we were howling it didn't feel like the distance was so far that we were howling across and and then even as we were closing the distance in the part of the country that we don't know as well to the to the eastern side which we do know a lot better that distance started to to narrow and and we were still howling, but we were howling when we were happy too. And we were howling when we were angry. And, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden it felt like people were howling with us. Like it, it became this sensation that if you just are, if you're crying out, eventually somebody's going to hear you and they're either going to come help you or they're going to join you. And you can't go wrong either, either way. Yeah. And that was sort of the, the basis of this whole record. We ended up writing Howl at the Moon in particularly it was one of the last songs to go on the mm-hmm. record, even though we had been howling all along. Howl at the Moon was sort of this last snap in that kind of brought it all together. That was like, oh, that that is what we need. Like, we yeah. just need to throw it off and, and be primal for a second. And yeah. and it, it brought our humanity back. Mm-hmm. 
we have some great friends who've, especially in this last year, have just really uh, like hunkered down and made sure that they stayed in touch with us. Mm-hmm. And, and um, some new friends and too. some new friends. Yeah. Friends, yeah. Uh-huh. And, and so, you know, something we learned about wolves is that, that when they're in the wild, they, they howl in their pack, you know, they're, they're actually trying to harmonize with one another. And, and we just thought that was so cool. And, and we started to kind of see that as, as a metaphor for, you know, for what was happening with us and our friends across mm-hmm. the country. And, I don't know. It's 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 been a it's been a really good year for us, and a really bad year, and a really bad year, <laughs> <laughs> which I guess is like life, right? It has you know, there's a yin and yang and everything. I do wonder in the live show, you know, with this song "Howl to the Moon" and you know the theme for the new album. I imagine some of your audiences join in with howling during the show now, don't they? Yeah. It is fantastic yeah. <laughs> too. It is wonderful. We actually, somebody actually mailed us a, a real coyote call to use as well, which we don't use in our outdoor shows at all. But um, <laughs> it, is, it has been kind of a wild ride. It's it's a different it's a different experience. Yeah. I think now. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. We couldn't stop them if we tried. You know? <laughs> Well, I know that you you also collect instruments along the way. We're going to hold the discussion of the live show until we get a little further into the interview because I want to go back and play another song, and that's the hardest part. This also speaks to some of the challenges that the last year brought you, but it sounds like you were able to process those things. Yeah, sometimes before we knew that we were processing them too. This particular song, we, we were writing actually in the middle of a fight like the two of us were not even close to a resolution and it was like just get out your guitar we'll figure it out (laughs) which is not something we would ever do (laughs) or or recommend recommend. to other songwriters but but it it did help us process it it. and and i think i think you can you can definitely hear us working it out you know in the lyrics and in, in in the song let's listen to that just now this is the rough and tumble with the hardest part from their wonderful new album, Howling Back at the Wounded Dog. And you're listening to Folk Roots Radio, and I'm Jan Hall. Well, the hardest part is over. The hardest part is over. Yeah, the hardest part is over. Till the next hardest part I was named for the struggle Weight shifting, arms lifting Headstrong and hitting what's not coming You were named for the road Yeah, the hardest part is over The hardest part is over Yeah, the hardest part is over Till the next hardest part There's a headline out there somewhere You'll beckon what's wrecking us With every step in the wrong direction Well, there's a porch line waiting here Yeah, the hardest part is over
dripping, eyes flicking, calling shots and making ultimatums. Don't let the road rise up to meet you. Don't let the road rise up to meet you. You're not still standing here for nothing either. That's the rough and tumble with the hardest part from their new album. It's entitled Howling Back at the Wounded Dog. The rough and tumble are our special guests on Folk Roots Radio today. They are Mallory Graham and Scott Tyler, currently in Grand Rapids, Michigan. You have two, what, 100-pound dogs? So one is um, Puddle is an 83-pound Mastiff mix that we picked up in Alabama. Um, she was just wandering around in the woods and somebody called us and thought we should have her. And, and we did want her. We did want her. Yeah. yeah. And we've, we've had her for about three years yeah. and we just got Magpie May uh, last December. We picked her up in Indiana. Somebody called us and said, we have this dog. Nobody wants her. And you guys, we've heard from a reliable source are suckers. So, uh, <laughs> and they were right. So, <laughs> so is she a big dog, a small dog as well? She's a hundred and ten pounds. She's a she's a mastiff, and she is quite the singer as well. She um, any she's puddle stays with us on stage, but Magpie anytime we sing, she also sings, and so she's going to have a booming solo career one day. We're sure of it. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about the new album. I've been hearing some great buzz about this album, listening to it. And, you know, whenever I do an interview like this, I'll say to the performer, well, we need to pick, you know, three or four tracks we're going to play. And then we, you know, you decide which ones you'd like. I pick the ones I'd like. And, you know, the thing about an album like this is I could pretty much play every song. This is a really strong album. Does it feel that way to you guys? I mean, I've loved your music since the first time you, you know, landed on my musical doorstep. Which yeah. is probably it must have been 2014 or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Oh yeah, it was very yeah. early. Yeah, 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 yeah. We love this album, and and I don't like I don't feel weird or shy or not humble or whatever those things I'm supposed to normally feel. I don't feel those things. I'm so excited about this album. Yeah. I like. I feel like it's we've landed somewhere that just feels uh, it feels true to us. Yeah. And not that our other albums didn't, but I feel like we. have We've broken in somehow, broken yeah. ourselves in or yeah. something somehow. And um, at least that's, I won't speak for you. Yes. <laughs> it, it feels really good where, where we've landed. So we we recorded these 10 songs in five days mm-hmm. uh, in in East Nashville with, with Dave Coleman, who also produced uh, We Made Ourselves a Home and We Didn't Know. We just worked so fast mm-hmm. because we only had five days and then we were 
not returning to Nashville for months. For months. And I think I think you can hear the urgency. Like it it felt so immediate and and just urgent. And we I don't know, that that feels feels good to to conceive of an idea and follow it through in such a short amount of time and then to to get it out to people, it feels it feels like we're actually able to say what we mean, you know, without the constraints of time kind of getting in yes, the way. That's a good way of putting that, yeah. But, you know, the, the interesting thing is that it just feels like there's so many layers. I mean, we've got 10 songs on this album. There are so many different themes, so many layers to the whole thing. I don't know. You know, you say this is your second full-length album, which is funny because, you know, since I've been following your music, I could have sworn it was album number five. Yeah, you, no, yeah. you describe your earlier albums as being EPs. It's like, well, I think they were almost a full-length album in those days. Mm-hmm. But it <laughs> really fair. does feel like you're starting to land somewhere special here. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised somebody will come up to you and say, okay, how about we talk about a management deal? And how about we talk mm-hmm. about a label deal? And maybe you yeah. guys need to stay you know, close to Nashville or something like that. But <laughs> yeah. it, 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 feels, it really does feel like a breakthrough. It does. It does for us. And, and um, I think what's, what's funny is we, we kind of saw this record as a placekeeper. When we decided we needed to go back into the studio, we were like, well, I guess we have, we have like nine songs. Let's write another one and, uh, you know, and call it a 10 song album. And this will just hold our place until we can get to get to the next album. The real stuff. Yeah, the real stuff. That's so funny. That is that's that is how we conceived of it. And then when we put all these songs together, I think that that's that's kind of what happens when you're grieving too. Like you're you're doing this work of trying to get to the next place, and you're 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 doing all this hard work, but you don't realize that you're doing the work until you're outside of it. And then you look back and you go, "Oh, cool! I actually made something amazing back there, and and I took a huge step." but you don't realize that when you're inside of it. And I think once we saw all these songs together, all of a sudden we're like, well, maybe this isn't like a placeholding sort of record. Maybe this is like a real, like grown up, (laughs) like a record, real record. (laughs) (laughs) And then as soon as we got into the studio and started pushing this out, then it just felt, I don't know. It it felt right. It felt, it felt true. Yeah. Well, it feels to me like an album that's going to end up on some best of lists, which is wonderful, obviously from your career development aspect. Yeah, thank you. We we sure we sure hope so. We're real yeah. pleased with it. Yeah, well as I said earlier, I could have picked any of ten tracks to accompany <laughs> this interview today. Unfortunately, we can only play four. We're gonna go back to the album with one of the most powerful songs, and that is Call Mercy. This is a very loaded song, and I'm gonna get you to to share as much as you'd like to to share about this song because this really dips back into an issue that obviously is, um, you know, well, it's an issue you can never get away from. Sure. And this song, uh, much like, much like how I uh, just described the album, like you don't realize you're, you're in something um, and you don't realize the good you've done until you got to the other side of it. And this, this song in particular, I did not think was a worthy song to put on the record. Like we, we kind of finished writing it and um and i put it away and scott kept saying no no no, we need we need to bring this song mm-hmm. in and i'm really grateful that we did this song is for the last two two three years i've been unpacking some sexual abuse that i experienced from the age of 15 through 19 by a much older 
guy. And the work that I've had to put into unpacking that has been tremendous and searing and rewarding, of course, but also impossible. And last year, I tracked him down and I sat across from him for the first time in 15 years. And I looked at this person and I was able to, for the first time in my life, use the right words to describe what he did. And Scott sat there with me and it was a very surreal experience. It didn't feel like I was, you know, doing anything liberating. It didn't feel like I was doing anything important. It just felt like the thing that I knew that I had to do to get myself better. And, and I was able to do it. And I walked away from that experience feeling a lot of things, but just feeling grateful and and better. And we wrote this song, I think a week after that. And then I shoved it away and said, nobody wants to hear that. <laughs> and it turns out that people do want to hear it. We've been playing it live for the last month and almost every show, somebody comes up to me afterwards and, and shares a similar story sometimes without me even saying what the song is about. And I'm, and I'm grateful that, you know, I finally had the clarity to be able to understand that these stories need to be shared, you know, as much as I want to be ego lucky with every song and want to howl at the moon with every song there are these songs too and they're important and i imagine the fact that you do play this song live and and talk about it will you know as you say it maybe help other people who have unfortunately had to to go through these experiences because as i said before they often don't leave if you don't find a way to process them at all you know they can have a serious impact on your life Yes, yeah. yes, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. It's an interesting song because it has a bit of a different feel to it as well. I mean, you you know, you, you seem to be growing from the, the teeny tiny folk band that you started off with. You know, again, mm-hmm. I guess that just goes to the whole maturity thing, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, we, we brought in a, you know, a, a women's gospel choir, <laughs> you know, for this, for this track. Yeah, three of our good friends. And it, it, it was... It was amazing to be able to sing this song with three very powerful women singing behind me. It was it was pretty glorious. Let's listen to that just now. This is the Rough and Tumble with Cole Mercy from their great new album, Howling Back at the Wounded Dog. You're listening to Folk Roots Radio, and I'm Jan Hall. Quiet 
Like the sound of a church on a Saturday night Like the sound of a church on a Saturday night That's the rough and tumble with Cole Mercy from their wonderful new album, Howling Back at the Wounded Dog. Mallory Graham and Scott Tyler are our special guests on Folk Roots Radio today. I started the interview saying how much I love this album. I mean, truly, it it just seems to be absolutely fantastic. Ten songs. I hope that these songs will go into competition. I kind of feel like this is a an album that needs as much exposure as possible. You know, yeah. you're, you're independent musicians. I mean, you know, we, we joked earlier about the possibilities of maybe getting a label contract, maybe uh, a little bit more support because you do everything. And I guess you yeah. like doing everything, but uh, it would probably be nice to have a few people behind you to maybe do some things. Absolutely. Yeah, there, there are certain things we definitely don't like to do. You know, we, we do them because they need to, you know, they need to happen. We are keeping our, our ears open, our eyes open for uh, for management opportunities or or just just help, you know. Um, somebody to walk the dogs. Yeah, somebody to walk the dogs. <laughs> <laughs> truck needs to get cleaned, and, <laughs> you know that sort of stuff. So, well, you yeah. know, I, I imagine as you you're traveling all the time, and I you know I gather it's a 
well, we're going to stay in this driveway tonight, and then tomorrow <laughs> night is going to be somebody else's. You must, you must have huge numbers of, of friends. I don't think anyone carries a Rolodex anymore, but it must be very big. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> um, we we have we've relied on on the kindness of strangers mm-hmm. and uh, just the kindness of of old friends and and what's been what's been great about you know living sort of the folk singer circuit is that you have to return to the same places year after year. And, and so we, we've definitely deepened a lot of friendships just because we are, you know, we're coming through every nine months or something. And um, it's, it's so much fun. We're, mm-hmm. we're loving this. So. Mm-hmm. so let's talk about the live show. I mean, the, these new songs must be going down really well in it. They are. And it definitely feels different. Um, the, as we were playing, and I think anytime you play a new song, there is absolutely a new energy that comes with it, the excitement of it being new. But these new songs definitely kind of carve out this space in in the set that I don't know that we've had before. I think um, we love performing where we love like playing off of each other and being able to, you know, kind of joke around and, and have fun. And there's something about these songs that when we plow into them, they kind of create a, a breathing space for, for us and for the audience and everybody just sort of sinks into them. And, and it's, it's kind of, I don't know. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means for our future performance or, or if it means anything at all. I just know that right now they sit very well, Yeah, but differently. Yes. yes. Now, one of the things you, you love to do, cause I know we've talked about this before is find instruments that can, you can use in performance. I always, I'm curious to find out what you've discovered recently that you can bring into your live show. The nose flute. That is our newest discovery, I guess. Our newest curse, I think. It, it, uh, a gentleman came up to me in Savannah, Georgia uh, earlier this year and he handed me a nose flute. For some reason, when, when people give us new instruments, the thing that they also ask of us is that we incorporate it by the next set. And I'm not sure why people feel like they can is. do that to us, but we can't say no. It's so we <laughs> <laughs> so we have started not only incorporating those flutes, but we also got 400 customized rough and tumble nose flutes that we sell at shows. So it's, it's quite the revolution. And I, again, it, it, it makes the concert more memorable, especially when people in the audience can pick their, their own and join in. Yeah, exactly. Pick yeah. your own nose flute. Uh, yeah, yes. that's right. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's great. It's always fun to talk to you. The shows you play, I mean, do you prefer mainly to do house concert type shows or yard concerts rather than, you know, being in bars or bistros, that sort of thing? You know, we, um, we love house shows and we, we love, you know, the opportunity to, you know, to be invited into people's homes. I feel like people pay attention more at, at house shows, which only, you know, makes the show better for, you know, for everybody involved. But, but we, we love playing listening rooms and, uh, uh, we're starting to play more, uh, like small theaters and community halls and community events that has been a real wonderful addition to like our normal places that we play. And I think we're playing fewer restaurants and and those sort of Mm -hmm. gigs, but every once in a while, we still, we still hope for those shows where nobody's listening so we can work out our new material (laughs) (laughs) and nobody knows. 
Right. I think I remember you telling me that in a previous interview, that it's a perfect yeah. opportunity to to try things out. If I asked yeah. you for the 30 second pitch, if you're, you know, people listening to this interview think, well, maybe I'd like to have the rough and tumble come and play for me. Uh, what yeah. can people expect when they come to a rough and tumble show? Uh, lots, lots of instruments, lots of jokes. Um, <laughs> most of them bad, though. Most of them bad. Yeah. We're running out of our 30 seconds here. Scott. We are, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, close harmonies. I, I Lots know, of stories. A couple I think, dogs. And we love to um, find out regional humor uh, or regional things and then try and plop it into the set. But usually we, we do it very poorly and then the audience has to correct us. Yes. <laughs> and have many songs come out of these shows that you've been playing? I mean, you play at least 150 shows a year. I mean... Is it possible that people invite you for a show and then suddenly down the road, there may be a song that has them in it? You know, I'm trying to think of a specific. I don't know if we, I don't know. If I mean, we have, of course, like, I feel like everything goes into it. Here's, here's what usually happens. We, we play the show, then somebody will come up and tell us a bit about, you know, their, their region or their town. The song High Fly is is written all about maple syrup and about you know the uh, the maple trees waking up in the spring and mm-hmm. and the only reason we know anything about that is because we met a mapler or a, sh- a sugarer a, a mapleist um, that we we met <laughs> we met the the syrup man up yeah. in Bradford Vermont mm-hmm. and he told us all about it and he gave us a couple bottles of maple syrup mm-hmm. and and then w- when we sat down to write we um, we just had these bottles of maple syrup sitting in front of us and it was it was pretty wonderful like yeah. it was a pretty great experience uh but so yeah i think songs i mean i think songs can come from anything but i think as far as regional songs i think that it does play into it i think there's also always that sense that we don't belong anywhere and so everything feels like material because it's always outside of us in this yeah. way and uh songs are a way for us to internalize the places that we are and make us feel like we belong there too yeah and I can see rough and tumble maple syrup being sold oh. on the being sold on the merch table next to the nose flutes. That that is a sweet, sweet idea. I, I like oh, that. Scott. <laughs> you know, it, it's always a pleasure to chat to you. Now we will be playing High Fly in a few moments. Perfect introduction to that song. But I did want to just talk a little bit about all of the things you do to engage your audience, because I think you do this better than anybody else I know. Uh, You have a weekly live cast, a monthly blog, a cook and color book, a food blog. You now have cartoons, which you do with your friend Stephen Carter, and they are so much fun. Oh, they're great. They are so great. And it's a great way for us to digest our own week is for Steve to call us and be like, what's on the docket for, you know, Ruffles and Tum Tums this week? And we get to like well, this happened to us and this happened to us. And it's fun because he's not a traveling musician. He's not a musician. And so yeah. he he takes these things and he's able to funnel it through the everyday house living person and, mm-hmm. and tell us what's funny and what's, exactly. <laughs> and <Yeah>. what's weird. <laughs> well, there are lots of fun. I, I got to say, I'm going to put a shout out to everybody. Go to their website. It's theroughandtumble.com. You can sign up for their newsletter. You can check out the ruffles and tum-tums cartoons it's it's wonderful because you know we we started talking a little earlier about the fact that you know the music business has changed so much you have to find so many ways to engage and you guys do it so well and as long as it doesn't wear you out 
I'm going <laughs> to encourage <laughs> you to keep doing it. Thank you. Thanks, Jan. It's been a great pleasure to talk to you today. We're going to finish with High Fly, Didn't I Wait? And what was the Didn't I Wait bit? Oh, that was us. It started snowing the second day we got to Vermont and it never stopped. As far as we know, it still hasn't stopped. And so we, um, it was just us waiting for spring at the beginning of November. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and I'm sure that's the only thing you can do when you get to that point. This is the oh, rough yeah. and tumble with high fly. Didn't I wait from their wonderful new album, howling back at the wounded dog. And you know, whatever you do, you need to get to see these guys in concert. Mallory Graham and Scott Tyler, it's been an absolute pleasure having you join us today. Same here. Thank, Thank you. you so much, Jim. We'll see you next time. And the good news is that they hopefully will be coming to tape a video session for the Sun Parlor Coffeehouse sessions with us later this year. And I definitely <laughs> want to come in that trailer, so you better make sure it's tight. <laughs> <laughs> we'll clean it. Yeah. Thanks again. Yeah, thanks, Jan. Half a Hawk in the meadow and a robin on the gate, oh fly high, didn't I wait? I fly, didn't I wait? Didn't I, didn't I wait? Hawk in the meadow and a robin on the gate, oh fly high, didn't I wait? All through the winter waiting for the ants to break, oh fly high, didn't I wait? I'm just a river running, looking for a day, high fly, didn't I Didn't I, didn't I, didn't I, didn't I?